myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is my friend and fellow podcaster, Travis Wright, host of the I'm a Fan Of podcast, where he interviews local comics, musicians, and artists here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's also done some music production, like he did a live taping for Brave Little Howl, which is available. So check out Travis online. He's an amazing podcaster. He helped me a lot getting this started. He's given me a lot of advice and a lot of tips and give me a lot of feedback on some of my early attempts at making this podcast work. I talked to Travis back this summer, and he has a very interesting fear. Um, it's a fear of tornadoes more than anything. Like, the severe weather is the, the phobia name, but he is just deathly afraid of tornadoes. And so we talk about his, po- his podcast, how he got involved in doing this, And then we get into his sphere of tornadoes. So let's get into my interview with Travis Wright. We're here with podcast phenom Travis Wright, host of I'm a Fan of. Great podcast. It is. (laughs) I used to be an MC at some point. Like I've got the MC skills down. I have credits. I do research. I love the format of your podcast. It's almost like we get a mixtape of your music, like you're giving us a, a sample mixtape. It makes me it makes me so happy to hear you say that because that's kind of the basis of the music part is just love it or hate it. I want to share something with you. It, it is like that old school, like uh, if you had a girlfriend in high school or something that you'd burn the mix, the mm-hmm. CD, the mixtape, whatever. Yeah, I love hearing that. Thank you. It's like, I, I don't know if you remember Edge Club where they had that Sunday night and it would be just kind yes. of, it would be off. Yeah. It would just be off, you know, not mainstream, just these, here's some bands you might not have heard of. That is one of the big inspirations is because I, every now and then you'd hear something on there. A lot of what they would play was, you know, you're not going to love every song. So you might go through three or four songs where you're like, not for me, not for me. But then when you hear that one that you've never heard of, that's just mm-hmm. perfect. And now all of a sudden it's in your heavy rotation of bands. Yeah. That show that Sunday night segment was a big, big influence on this as well. And I was just a huge fan of radio in the past. And I'm, I hate that radio has gotten so terrible. So it's kind of my own selfish way of like, well, maybe this is how I can cheat and be a radio host. Well, basically you are. You're, you're basically packaging a radio show that people can listen to at any time. They don't have to be in their car at 8 yeah. o'clock on a Sunday or you know, in, in the house listen to the radio in their room. They can, anytime they have free, they can listen to this. Mm-hmm. How ha- how have people responded to the music? Uh, the music, you know, it's hard with a podcast too because f- for starters, I just you know when you you know as well as I do when you put this out there, you don't know who is going to mm-hmm. listen to it, who's going to care, and so you just put it out there, you hope for the best, and then it's also pretty personal because it's called I'm a fan of, so I'm picking music that I enjoy. So if nobody likes it, that means I have terrible taste, you know. <laughs> so it's already just a little bit you're really kind of putting yourself out there and it's not even my music. It's not even my stuff, but mm. you know, it started with close friends where they were nice and honest with you. Some of the bands they would have nothing to say about. 
And then every now and then I'd get a text that was like, oh, this one, I absolutely love it. And then as we started having more people in for interviews and they started telling you know their friends about the show, that's when it started picking up. And then now it's gotten to this really fun point where I'll start getting Instagram messages. I'll start getting Facebook messages saying, pick this up from your show. Really love it. Thanks for sharing it. And that's where it's like, okay, that's perfect. If, if you know, a couple hundred people listen to the episode, but I know that one, I know that one person really loved the album. And so for that artist, it's like, okay, I really got you one brand new fan. And who knows what that's going to turn into for you. So there's, the response has been way better than I thought. I was hoping to get 20 people listening. And um, I don't really share the numbers with anybody. It's just kind of my thing. But it's just been so much more than I, I really expected, um, which is nice. It makes me really want to keep doing it now. And you have an amazing voice. Like you have almost like <laughs> the Harry Shear, like uh, Simpsons, you know, Simpsons voice for the news. That is the only, that's the only, only reason I got into it is I kept hearing, oh, you should do radio. You should do something. But I'd love to do uh, voiceover, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I don't even know where to get started with that. So if anybody has any tips. You might see if you can get Arian Ironport as one of your guests. I know he does voiceover as a comic. He is somebody I really want to have on the show. I, I watched him a long time ago before I ever got into wanting to do a podcast, wanting to have anything to do with comedy. He is one of the, the, the introductions to local comedy that I had. Him and uh, Paul Varghese were doing a lot of shows together whenever I first started getting into the, watching the local comics. And uh, yeah, he's incredible. He's a really funny guy. Yeah, you've just mentioned two of the gold standard. I would put Dave Little, Linda Stogner in that same echelon. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, she is because the... Uh, you know, like originally when I when I started going to comedy shows, I mean, I think every everybody, I'm 35. So Blue Collar Comedy Tour, I guess Kings of Comedy, those were kind of my, that was like the introduction to, oh, there's this thing called stand-up. Mm-hmm. I guess before that would be Seinfeld because he did a little bit of stand-up on his, on his show. But so comedy was always this thing that was, you know, you have to be wildly famous to do it. And it, you know, when I first heard of it. And then Hyenas was kind of the first introduction. I was too cheap to take girls out on like real, real dates. I didn't have any money. So the, uh, the free it's Thursday night, right? That's the free night. Yes. So that was, that turned into like a date night. A lot of the times it was like, Hey, let's go do this. And I really hope it's good because the dates on the line here. And then somehow in that mix, a, uh, one of Paul Varghese's family members, uh, her and I became friends and she was the one who kind of started saying, Oh, you know, Paul does my, my cousin does comedy. You should go check him out. And that, that first time was at Backdoor Comedy Club, the location off of 75, the Doubletree. And so, yeah, Linda, Paul, that was like the introduction to like, oh, people do this on a local level and they're actually really funny, you know? And from there, it just, it just spiraled into, you know, learning about the different clubs that we have around here and then learning there's this massive comedy community of, I mean, if you go to an open mic at these places, you're talking 50 plus comics. I mean, it's just so much bigger than I thought it was. It is, and I'll put this thing about almost against any you know secondary city to New York and L.A. I would put mm-hmm. this scene talent-wise top to bottom because you have people like yeah. Paul. That's been a big theme of the show is trying to understand. And, you know, it's this journey that I'm still on. You know, I'm not in the comedy world. I don't perform comedy. So as an outsider, I'm really learning how this whole scene works. But that's part of the theme is trying to understand what is it that people feel like holds DFW in general back from being viewed as a comedy scene as powerful as those ones that you just mentioned, because I look at how many quality clubs we have, how many quality comics. And so that's been part of the, it's a recurring theme on the show where we talk to different comics and go, what do you think 
is the thing that we need to kind of push it over a little more. And, you know, I don't have an answer for that yet, but hopefully, you know, a year from now, when I talk to even more comics, we'll start piecing it together even more. I think there's also a stigma with Dallas, like with the Dallas Cowboys and stuff that we all are, you yeah. know, six shooter door handle Cadillac yeah. driving. We ride horses everywhere and we're extremely racist. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of idea permeates all the, I guess, more liberal areas like New York. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, like I said, it's a really underrated city in my mind. I, I see so much potential. It's hard for me to not try to do my show right now and then just spend the next 45 minutes talking to you about this subject. That's, <laughs> that's going to be the struggle the entire time. Just me going off on multiple questions going, well, tell me your opinion on, on this part of it. So just be careful. We might end up doing that. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's not all the realm. I've, I've done mostly comics up to this point just to kind of get myself. I know these guys and if I needed to uh -huh. do something again, I, I don't, I'm not like, Hey person, I'll never get to talk to again. Hate to tell you this, but the <laughs> interview we did just completely crashed. That was one of the the most embarrassing parts of of uh, my podcast was um, we had Arun Rama on, and we were talking to him for almost three hours, and he was he was just talking about really interesting stuff. I mean, we had been drinking the whole time, and then all of a sudden, uh, my friend Nathan, who who helps me run the show, he does sound and everything with it. All of a sudden, he taps me, and he's like. Hey, um, let's just hold on a second. And so we just pause. And he's like, there's a good chance we just lost everything. And I was like, uh, okay, that's terrible. And sure enough, we lost absolutely everything, had to reschedule it. And it was just, you'll never get that magic back of that first one. Yeah. It was so embarrassing. I did something similar. Like my interview with David <laughs> Jessup that I recorded is good, but there was an interview. <laughs> I was rocking. I had everything pinpoint. Like you do, what about this? tell me about this and then we lead yeah. it to this and then i look down as he's halfway explaining and i look and there's not a red light on my recorder and i'm like i didn't hit record this whole time <laughs> i've just been guns blazing and it threw me off the rest of that interview we had to reschedule because i was just i was yeah. just so flustered i was like that's the best one that got away and you'll never ask that those questions that you asked the second time with the same excitement the same it'll never be as yeah. good as the first time it came up. Yeah, it's so defeating. So I've learned I've got new batteries. I've got everything <laughs> ready like five minutes beforehand. And I go. If it makes you feel better, I have whenever I do mine, I, you know, I have everything going into my laptop. I record there. And then I have two other separate interfaces so that I have two backups because I'm so paranoid of that happening again. And it's completely it's completely unfounded. And I'm, I'm learning this about my personality, like with the fear we're going to talk about, that I can get a little obsessive and then a little paranoid. And that's, it's definitely spilling over into the podcast. Oh, absolutely. I've, you're, this is 14 interviews that I've done without launching. So I'm like completely set for months. <laughs> you've, got four, you've got 14 under the belt already? Yes. Dang. Yeah, you got to start pumping them out. I'm working on it. The world wants to hear it. <laughs> I was like, perfect, Labor Day weekend's perfect. I can learn all this stuff. Like, I'm learning tricks with Audacity. I'm, yeah. I'm learning how to fade in and how to splice better because there's some, yeah. there's some of my first ones that I'm like, oh, I really cut that one really kind of close. <laughs> so when you, when you decided to interview comics, when, did you, when was that into the process of your podcast? That was, that was really the roots of okay. it because... Um, I uh, I love Joe Rogan's podcast, and I never thought a podcast would be that interesting, but I've always enjoyed listening to him. And then uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson has a really good space podcast, obviously. And 
he had mentioned something about Kill Tony. And I, I didn't quite understand what they were talking about. I didn't really know what an open mic was at that point. And um, so when I started listening to Kill Tony and I realized, oh, wow, there's, there's all these amateurs. And, you know, in his show, obviously, there's a lot of really bad people going up to do a minute of comedy. But when you do get that one Jim who comes up there for a minute and just destroys... And it's just a nobody. But you're, you know, I'm here in Texas while they're in LA and he's just making me laugh with a minute of comedy. And I'll never, I'll probably never see this person unless they rise to fame somehow, you know. That's what started turning the, turning the gears on. That's got to be happening here. So the, the first open mic I went to was a uh, Hyenas Wednesday open mic. And that's when I was overwhelmed. Like I had no idea there were these blocks of comics where, you probably know better than I do. How many blocks are there typically? Five to six. And then there's probably uh, up to 10 comics in a block or how, how many comics are in a block? Ideally, we'd want 10. Usually it gets pushed yeah. to like 12 as, as people that work right. at Hyenas get come in unannounced. Yeah. And then they'll push themselves into an uh, earlier block because, again, they work for the club. So we, we owe it to them to give them a crowd to perform to so we can't make them go yeah. dead last as much as new comics would love for that to happen, to have justice, to mm-hmm. say, oh, I've been here since six, and this guy walks in at 8.30 and gets to go up in 15 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, but, that, but there you go. There's 60-plus there's comics on a Wednesday night, and you know that's when I realized, holy crap, there's a lot of this going on. And then that kind of really fueled the fire of... I've always enjoyed, like, if, if somebody has a great idea or if they have their thing, trying to be the person that can either motivate them to do a little more or help accelerate it, you know, just do something to help you. If you're thinking about jumping into it, I'm going to be the person trying to talk you into it, whatever that is. Because I mean, life's too short. Just try shit, do stuff. And then when you go watch this open mic and you realize, oh, all these people are taking these huge leaps of faith that they're actually going to get one laugh, hopefully, you know, and maybe not. And then they continuously do it over and over. Um, and then I started going to some of the, the other open mics and you start realizing you see the same faces at some different ones. And then you see different faces, you know, and um, it really made me appreciate because before that, when I would go to, you know, like a Friday night or a Saturday night show, when you, you know, like if, if I got the email that said you got free tickets, then usually I, I grabbed a group of friends and we're going mm-hmm. because why not? And I just thought all comics like they're all really, really funny or they wouldn't do this. And I had no idea of the work that really went into it. So the more of these open mics I started going to where you just see people crashing and burning. And then I saw those familiar faces where, they, you know, I would get that impression of like, oh, they were really terrible last time. They're not going to be funny. But then you see them this time and the night's completely different. Now it's hilarious. And they, they found that rhythm or that, that spark or they tweaked something that just made it a little bit better. And I started noticing a little bit of, you know, behind the curtain of how this is all made. And then when you watch somebody who's really, really good, you start to really respect like, holy cow, you know, to get an hour's worth of amazing material like this where I'm laughing the whole time. How much work did that take? You know, and not even just the work for that specific hour. How many years did it take before you could even create an hour like Mm -hmm. that of just pain and torture? (laughs) And so that's when I realized like, okay, all these clubs, all these comics, um, the podcast idea came into my head and I thought, I've got to do this. And then just, I I love music. I didn't want it to be just a comedy podcast. I wanted to always kind of sprinkle some music in. And I never wanted to be in a position where I had to take a guest because I had to push out an episode. I wanted to make sure that anybody that got invited on knew, like, I genuinely love what you're doing or, or you wouldn't be here. Um, and, you know, we say it's music, comedy, and more. Uh, we've had, like, Petticolis Brewing on. They brew beer here in, in Dallas. 
And so I wanted to leave it open to where basically if I just like anything, I could invite you on and talk to you about it. What it you know, whatever it might be. Which, who wouldn't be a fan of beer? Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I mean, again, with them, like my, my favorite beer locally is, is a beer called Velvet Hammer. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like a big beer guy. I just love that beer. And I ended up just ordering it at a lot of different places that had it. And when I found out what Petacolis was, and I was like, oh, you know, I should just invite them on. And uh, I thought it was like a shot in the dark. You know, they'll, they'll give me the polite decline. And the owner actually responded to me. And he's like, absolutely, we'll make it happen. We'll figure it out. And I was like, okay, that, that works. And it, I mean, it was, it was really interesting. That Learning about how beer is made, uh, you're basically a glorified janitor. And if you're a terrible janitor, you'll never be able to brew beer. And it, it was co- totally different than what I thought it would be. Yeah, I, I've done a couple of brewery shows, so I've I've kind of seen the tours and stuff like that. And it's yeah, it's a lot of then we move it over here and then we pipe it over yeah. here and then it sits for. Yeah, it, they're like the most important part is just wiping everything down so it's completely clean, because if there's a little bit of whatever bacteria, we've ruined it all. Yeah. And it's like, that's it. All of it is gone. It's like, that's it. And I accidentally offended him. I was like, you know, how many batches do you do you accidentally mess up? You know, how many do you, do you typically throw out when you're trying to, to make a beer? And he's like, mess up, throw out. What are you talking about? He's like, we, we don't mess up any. That's the whole point of doing this. I was like, oh, okay, sorry. Sorry. My bad. My bad. Well, that's a good, that's a good track record then. <laughs> it's a good track. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Denied, denial exactly. is a great track record. <laughs> but I, I've heard that too. Cause uh, I used to, I, for a long time, I worked for Southwestern Bell when, before I did comedy. And they had mm-hmm. me as an, an engineer and support specialist. They would have me set up different places. And I had to set up a call center in Minot, South Dakota, which if you don't know anything about Minot, is it's a huge rail town. And all okay. the hazardous chemicals go through there because there's nothing out there. So anything that's dangerous or hazardous, but they also have beer. And so a train full of beer, if one of those, one of those, <laughs> if one of those cases has an open seal, that whole oh train load of beer has to be destroyed. I mean, and that's my paranoid side because you think of all the hands that start touching that just to, to, you know, put it on a pallet, put it on a forklift, load it on. I mean, the opportunity for it to get screwed up is just massive. The fact that any of it makes it without being destroyed is insane. I'm not going to go down this too far, but we just started watching a TV show. We we actually finished it all, but it, um, called uh, "Love on the Spectrum." Mm-hmm. Have you have you heard of this? No. It's incredible. It is so different than what I actually thought it was going to be. But I recommend everyone go and watch. Like, you already know what it's about, but I mm-hmm. I was worried it was just going to be like they tried to do cheap laughs the whole time. But it's actually it, they get into these serious storylines with these these uh, people on the spectrum who are just trying to date, and it's absolutely incredible to watch it. I believe everybody's kind of on there somewhere at some level because I think everybody has their moments of yeah where they just irrational yeah and I mean uh, like with the stuff you with, with the with the stuff we're going to talk about I start to feel like am I am I a little bit on there because you start thinking about just how ridiculous some of the things you do are and there's there's no reason for it to happen yeah I I have strong information to believe it is. You definitely need to watch this show then. And then, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I would be interested to see what you think about it then if, if you believe you're on the spectrum. I believe I'm on there somewhere. I don't know where, but all the, yeah. all the different things that like the bipolar kind of effects, the ADD effects, the hyperactivity, mm-hmm. 
they all fit and then the inability to make eye contact when stressed. Yeah. But enough about me. This is about your fear. <laughs> this is about your fear, Tyler, right? Yeah. And you have a yeah. you have a really like good one. Uh, go ahead and tell us what you're afraid of. It's it's something I didn't realize until you'd asked me to do this that it was actually kind of an irrational fear. It feels very rational to me, but it's uh the actual name is lalapsophobia. And it's not a fear of storms. More specifically, it's a fear of tornadoes and hurricanes is what I looked up on it. But I'm not afraid of hurricanes, but it's specifically the fear of just I, every time a storm comes through, I'm terrified that there's going to be extremely high winds or there, mm-hmm. we're going to be in the path of a random tornado. And I didn't realize it was kind of a weird feeling. I felt like living in Texas, most people just go, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we should hunker down mm-hmm. in case the tornado comes through. Uh, and then my wife started informing me that it was a little excessive. Interesting. So it's your, yeah. you're kind of like Helen Hunt from Twister. Like you just have this, <laughs> like this weird obsessive fear with a tornado. It's so lame. Yeah, it's so lame. And we, we, had a, we had a traumatic experience with some high winds. It's like the closest thing you could, I could have to actually call PTSD. Mm-hmm. Because I think PTSD is from like real problems, not what I'm about to describe. But it, if, if I had to guess what it felt like, that's my closest thing I can get to it. And uh, we, we lived in a condo here in Dallas. And uh, we were on the second floor. It was just a, a two-story condo. So ours was the top level and, you know, storms are coming through like normal. And I've never been bothered by, I don't get bothered by lightning, rain, thunder, any of that. And we're, we're sitting there and a normal storm's coming through. We've got our back patio door open and we're just watching the rain come down. And uh, it started raining really hard. And I thought, you know, I looked at my wife and I was like, are we, are we under like a tornado watch or anything? You know, and this, I didn't have a fear at this point. I was just curious. And then as soon as, it was like, as soon as I said that, and I'm sure I'm remembering this with more... Mm-hmm cinematic details than than actually happened but it felt like i said that it got the creepy quiet that you hear about the rain just suddenly stopped and we kind of panicked so i grabbed the dog we start sprinting to the closet in the master bedroom which was kind of like the center the centermost area of the house as we're running you start hearing the wind pick up our windows get blown out and then while we're getting into the closet you just hear the wood peeling back off the roof and just sl- peeling back and slamming down and peel- and we don't know what's happening. I'm thinking we're in a tornado right now. And, and, you know, we're, I'm have a 70 pound dog and I'm just leaned on top. I'm holding the dog on top of my wife, just kind of dog piling on both of them thinking like, okay, something's going to hit me in the head. This is how I die, but maybe they'll live, you know? And it actually ripped the front half of the roof off of the house. So when we came out, when it was all done and, you know, it feels like, you know, 20, 30 minutes that you're in there. And in reality, it was like 45 seconds that this happened. It was nothing. And uh, so we come out and the ceiling's there. So we didn't know the roof was gone, but all it, it's raining right after that happened. So all this water is just pouring in through, the, through our living room, our spare bathroom and our spare bedroom. And, you know, the power's off. We don't know what's going on. And so it's, it, it's nighttime, you know, which was even, even more scary. We just have no idea. And that set off this whole chain of events of just, the, the house being demolished, we had real problems with our HOA, with the condo. They're, they're supposed to put the roof on. And we ended up having to get an attorney involved to get them just to put our roof on. So we lived under a tarp. What we thought was going to be a few weeks until they put the roof on ended up being, in total, it took us almost uh, 11 months to completely get the house back to normal. So we were living under a tarp for seven months of that year. So when the rest of the storms were coming through with winds and rain and everything, it was like 
those three rooms were just getting flooded again every single time. And that, I mean, that's where it all started. Mm-hmm. It's, it was like the, the moment of it all going wrong where the windows are breaking and the wood's breaking. And then also just the residual, like it cost, you know, uh, we had insurance, but it still cost money and time to even get it all fixed. So we had like a whole year of our life just kind of taken away from this one moment. But, but ever since then, it's just now storms have a whole different meaning when they come through for me. You just see dollar signs. You see dollar signs going away. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we had all this stuff wrong. Like we hired the wrong contractors. So everything, every, I mean, it, it felt like we were in a bad movie where everything that could go wrong just kept going wrong. And we thought the roof coming off was going to be the worst part of it. And then the contractors were terrible. The HOA, you know, we're still not sure to this day why the roof didn't go on, but I'm fairly certain they were stealing all of the HOA money and they actually didn't have any money to put a roof back on. So they were just trying to hold off as long as they could. Because once we got an attorney and we threatened them with like a forensic a forensics accountant, and all, all of a sudden they found money and the roof was on. And then we were able to renovate the home and sell it and just get out of there. That's good that you were able to at least get out of there. It's mind-boggling. You don't think about that when you're in a storm, like the residual, like you always... No. Because most people get out, you know, kind of unscathed. It's not, you don't get to be the person that experiences it. Yeah, we thought, we thought two months, we'll be back to normal, Mm -hmm. no big deal. And like I said, it took 11 months. And what kind of amplifies the fear of the storms now is, I thought we were in a tornado. And all the reports said there was nothing. It was just heavy winds. But when you went to our our condo complex, there was like a clear path of something. Mm -hmm. Because we were on the second story, it took our roof. And then it kind of went diagonal and destroyed all these parking structures that were between all these buildings where straight line winds wouldn't really get to. And then it took off a roof of another one. It was like probably like a 50-yard track of, of like debris and stuff. And so to this day, I, like whatever the lowest scale of a tornado is, I think we were like five miles an hour below that or something. It was so intense. You know, now I think, well, what's a real tornado like? You know, if that was just a little windy and it freaked me out that much, what happens when you're actually in like, you know, a, a two, three, four size tornado? I mean, that, that's got to just be insanity. Yeah, we were lucky. We were in one nostalgia uh, when the tornado hit. Are you talking about the recent ones, yeah. like the 10 tornadoes in one night? Yeah. Where it was in, uh, yeah, it was like, it came across uh, North Dallas. Like it would just come in. Yes. Yeah. We we were just sitting in one nostalgia while it's coming. And we're like, oh my God. And we're like, well, we can't get out because we, if we go out and drive, you don't know where it's going. Yeah. No, that's that's my nightmare because I, I look at a place like that. Like I've, I've been to that bar. I like that bar. But there is nowhere in there that you could hide. Like I, I hope they have a walk-in of some kind. That might be your best bet. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know that building, it's probably not built to code. It's just, you know, every, everything's going to collapse and I don't want to die that way. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. That's like the biggest fear is just debris toppling over on me. Yeah. And we saw it like there's, I'll send you the Instagram from the other person that was there with us. And he has, mm-hmm. he has video of the tour. You could, we went outside and we could actually see the, t- the funnel cloud like coming down. Oh when my God. it was hitting God. Garland. Holy cow. I've never seen one in person like that. I used to want to do like the storm chasing mm-hmm. stuff. And now I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I would react if, if I actually saw one coming down. I don't know if I would be able to keep a level head or if I would just freak out. I'm, I'm not sure. I was surprisingly calm. I wanted, I've wanted to see one my whole life. Like I wanted to do the storm chaser thing. And I'd never, yeah. you know, the only time closest we had like 15, like one time here and my car got hail damaged. 
but I was mm-hmm. at work. I had come home fr- from lunch, and then I went back to work, and if I had just just stayed home, my car would have been safe, because I would have <laughs> just parked it under my covered parking here. Yeah. But I went back to work, and all of a sudden, all these tornadoes started whipping up. Yeah, and it's like, did you ever drive through those areas over by like Royal Lane and the tollway where they got hit the hardest? I didn't. I made the mistake of driving through there because I just, I just wanted to see, you know, I wanted to, to, the guy who's looking at the car wreck, right? I just want to look at the mess. And it was like the worst thing I could do for myself because you're looking through the windows of these houses that were like the direct hit ones and the walls are there. But not only is the roof gone, but the ceiling, like all the ceiling joists, the drywall, it's out of there. So I'm just thinking of these, these people hunkered down in a closet. And while they're there thinking like, oh, this will protect me the roof just starts peeling off and then you're just looking at the sky with all this wind and rain. And, it, you know, then that's, like I said, that's the closest thing I have to like a, a PTSD where I'm, I'm putting myself in the mindset of, holy crap, what would I do if I just looked up and everything that was protecting me is just gone now? It's just, and, and you're not sure if it's over or if it's about to suck you out of the closet. I'm amazed that, I, were there any deaths with that outbreak? I don't think there were. I don't think there were any deaths. I think there were some severe injuries, but I don't, yeah. A lot of people I don't think were home. Yeah. I think because it was a yeah. Sunday night and I think a lot of people were out somewhere else and came home to damage versus because I think there was mm-hmm. a if I'm not mistaken, it was like a cowboy game was going on and everything else. Yeah, you might be right. I can't remember. So I feel like everybody was out watching football. I mean, would you would you feel better if you were in like a football stadium? Would you feel safer there? I don't feel like I would be unsafe by myself in a tornado. Mm hmm. I feel like I would be unsafe in a bunch of humanity that doesn't know how to act in a tornado. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so, like, I can, you know, I can survive in this crummy apartment, you know, on the bottom floor in a bathroom and dig my way out. <laughs> but I can't, I can't not get trampled to death by 70,000 people that don't know how this works or freaking out. Yeah. But see, you, you talked about being in your, your apartment and, like, okay, if something happened, I could, I could climb my way out. And that just started making me think about, um, you remember when the, the 80 mile an hour crazy windstorm mm-hmm. came through Dallas and it knocked one of those massive cranes over in, into that apartment complex. Yeah. And I think a couple of people died in that one, but that, that's the other fear is it's not even like the tornado knocking down the house with me in it. We have a huge tree in front of our house and it's like, what if I fell asleep on the couch, you know, and this massive tree branch just comes through the window and that's how I die is mm-hmm. a, a branch just lands right on top of me, you know, just hits me in the head. I mean, we were at home when that storm came through and that was when I kind of first had an idea of like, maybe, maybe that first storm we went into, maybe that kind of messed me up a little bit because I mean, I'm sitting there peeking out from the bathroom to see if like, if it's still windy at all, you know? and. uh I don't know, but it, it's, it's again, I'm just running through all these scenarios that aren't even, even logical because our house was built in the fifties. It's been standing through who knows how many storms, the tree, the same way it's not going to blow over and fall over on our house and kill me. It's just probably not going to happen, Yeah, but it could. Yeah. <laughs> my dad lives in Houston. So I grew up in Houston. So my dad still lives in Houston and so he'll have yeah. hurricanes, which, uh-huh. you know, a storm is pretty at night is pretty bad. But he went. He start, He decided he was going to stay home during Rita, I believe, and that mm-hmm. hit at night. And so 
he's like never again because you're just sitting in your house at night for hours because the hurricane lasts for hours and you're just hearing the wind yeah. blow and you don't know if that, that crackling is a tree coming over oh god and you and the wind is just sustained yeah. right like it's not like it's a gust and then it's gone it's just going for yeah. hours yeah, right it's just a, a storm that like lasts forever and you're just sitting there listening to these noises outside because you hear the wind oh and not only that it's heavy rain so what mostly topples trees and hurricanes is because the water gets so saturated it loosens the mm-hmm. ground and the root system of the tree and that's what makes the mm-hmm. trees fall like if you look at Rita in 2005 in Beaumont, a lot of pine trees were huge, just toppled over like nothing. And it's because the ground was so wet, the roots just, you couldn't hold the ground anymore. And all of a sudden, just gravity pulled. Yeah. It's just wet mud. Yeah. I mean, the hurricane I could deal with better just because you know it's coming. I would always leave. Mm-hmm. I would never even attempt to ride it out. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the unknown. Like he was saying, when he's sitting there just wondering if that noise is something that's about to give and break. I can't deal with that anymore. Even the house we're in now, I love our house. We bought an older home and we renovated it. But all I can think about is there's not a central location in the house that there's not a window next to. And so I'm sitting here, it's like, I didn't even realize I had this fear and now I'm in this death house. So I'm thinking like the next house we have to have, the very center of it, it has to be solid concrete on all the walls. We're going to have to buy one of those metal you know, boxes they sell in Oklahoma to anchor down to the foundation. And I'm, I'm literally planning out our next home around the 1% chance that we get in a major tornado, yeah. you know? There are, the thing with hurricanes is you don't, it's not, you can't ride out the storm. The storms are easy to ride out. Yeah. The problem is being cut off from society and any kind of utilities yeah. or running water for days to weeks where you just have mm-hmm. no electricity. That's where you, people that, I'm going to ride it out. That's where they make their mistake is, oh. Yeah, the storm's going to be a couple of days, but if your power's out, no one's coming to turn yeah. the power back on that day. You're talking about days without electricity. Yeah, the power's out for everybody. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> if you have, if you, all your stuff's in the refrigerator, guess what? You better start eating. Oh, man, I know. And it's the few times, like I said, I'm in an older neighborhood, so we, uh, a couple storms have come through where the power's out for a week just because we have, like, the lines are above ground. It's old stuff. And, you know, yeah, you start to realize it doesn't take much for all of this to fail. It's just a couple of weeks and it's going to be chaos. So when you were going through that tornado, mm-hmm. did you feel like any kind of like storm system? Like when you see the radar now, do you just get nervous? Now? Yeah, like do you, if you see red on the radar, is that? Yeah, so uh, that's, that's part of the acknowledgement of having a, a problem is that I realized on my phone, I have four different weather apps because I don't trust just the one radar. I have to compare radars to see what the common theme is of the storm. The compare. <laughs> because some of them... <laughs> You're pretty good, Doppler, but hold on. Hold on, Doppler. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have a couple different apps that, that show the colors in different ways because I'm worried that some of them are either downplaying the severity or they're, they're overplaying it. So I'm kind of... <laughs> I know, I know. So I'm kind of... <laughs> well, because like some of them they use, you know, if it's really severe, it's red. Mm-hmm. And some of them, if it's really severe, it's like a purple, you know, and, and you're trying to figure out, is this severe because of the wind and, and the rain or is this hail? What is it? And mm-hmm. uh, so it'll be a combination of like, if, if I'm at home, the first thing I do is we, uh, we put like the live local stuff, like channel five or whatever on. And then while that's on, I'm looking at a different radar, even though the professional meteorologist is showing me his professional radar, 
I'm thinking, no, my cell phone one, that's the one I need to double check. And, you know, I, I, have, I have to see which way, like the, the front of the storm is usually the most severe, right? In Texas, you get yeah. that line of storms just coming through. And so I have to see which direction it's coming from. And based off of that, you know, I'll, I'll, pull, out, <laughs> I'll pull out the compass that's on my phone and I'll make sure I know which direction it's coming from. <laughs> and so from there, I decide, because we don't have a good central location to be in the house, I decide which bathroom are we going in? Because if it's hitting from you know, the west side, then we need to get on the east side of the house because the west side is going to get more destroyed first. And you know, it's, it's, once I know it's a massive, like if they're talking about severe weather coming through, it takes over. That's all I can watch. Now we have a baby. Now I'm responsible for a five-month-old. So these storms are coming through like when we had our newborn and it's two in the morning and I'm having to like wake up my wife and get the newborn and get the dog and we're hiding in the bathroom. And I'm like, I just need the front of the storm to get by. Once the front goes by, we can all go back to bed because after that, we're going to be safe. And she's just dealing with it. She's like, this fucking guy waking me up at 2 a.m., I've got a damn newborn. And she's like, well, I, get, you know, I guess it's good you woke me up. I need to feed him now anyway. But she's been opening my, my eyes to the fact that it's probably a little over the top. A excessive? <laughs> Just a, a little bit. But Remember, I mean, cross like, your arms um, this way like you're hugging yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that way, and make sure you, hit, you, you cover the top of your head so that... Oh, man. But like with the baby, for instance, you know, he's laying in a bassinet in our room. And he's in the corner and on each side of that corner is a, is a window. So I'm just thinking about a branch coming through or just the glass blowing out and shattering all over my newborn. And, you know, you just, it's, it doesn't happen. I haven't have ever heard of that happening to someone, but it seems like if I don't take them away from there, it's a big possibility that it will happen. And, uh, like we have trees, we have a large tree in the front yard mm -hmm. and then we're in like an old Dallas neighborhood. So, we have lots of neighbors around us and lots of old tall trees like in their backyards. And I've even learned, <laughs> I've even learned which trees are stronger and which ones are weaker. So I know that if the weaker trees are swaying really hard, it's probably not that bad. Those are the little weak trees. It's when the strong ones start moving a little bit that, okay, we might, we might need to consider taking cover. And all the while, I think, the moment I see this tree laying over sideways, it's already too late. I don't have the reaction time to scoop up a dog and two people and get into it. Like the fact that I'm looking out the window and watching this happen, I'm already, I'm already done, but I can't, I have to sit there and make sure nothing's getting too windy for me. Like you're just, you're chaperoning the storm. <laughs> hey, too windy, too windy. Well, because I'm safe, I won't actually open the blinds all the way up. I just kind of pull. So I'm just looking through a crack out, out the window anyway. You don't want the storm like to the, see you and then all of a sudden come right at you. That's <laughs> like, like the cloth blinds are somehow giving me some protection from the tree branch I'm worried yeah. about. But yeah, if I were to open the full window and watch it, that would just be unsafe, you know? I could just see you as the kid in Poltergeist, the, the boy where he's like sitting there in the storm just counting the, trying to count and it's just getting worse. Yeah, and what's worse is like, I'm trying to tell myself that this is silly and I'm trying to get past it, but none of it's really working yet. So it's still, and it, it, you know, we're through storm season now, but like when the storm season is actually happening, you know, I'll see early in the day that we're going to have severe th thunderstorms later in the evening. Mm -hmm. And that's all that's on my mind is I'm just watching the radar for hours to see, is it, is it intensifying? Is it really going to happen? Is it going to go North, South? 
it's it's a bit much. There's been a few nights where we could have just watched TV and instead we were watching a radar constantly. I used to use weather weather bug as my go to because I'll download I'll download that one also. You can pinpoint your location. <laughs> like I have my apartment yeah. pinpointed, so it can tell me exactly where yeah. that storm is. Like with my little Apple map, this tells me. Yeah. The uh, let me see the favorite one that I like to use. It actually gives me a time, a really accurate time frame, AccuWeather, and um, it'll tell me like in advance. And I've 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 tested it before, like when it's coming in to see if the times are really accurate. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty much down to. I know, I know, <laughs> it's pretty much down. It's down to the minute when it's actually hitting, and that's the only one that really gives me comfort because I'm like, okay, in five AccuWeather's minutes, I'll never wake them up. Me. <laughs> I just I, I when you're when you're picking up the piece of your house, damn you, AccuWeather! Just, <laughs> just, 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 you let me down one time, one time I yeah, needed that's you why, most, and that's why I have multiples so yep. that if that one's ever acting weird, I can look at the others. Weather bug, like I so said, you can proximity, like what locations close to you. So if it's like a yeah. if one of their centers is like a middle school down the street, then you've got mm-hmm. the temperature and everything right down the street from you. I like how you're just feeding into it. You're like, just go ahead and get on this other one so you can obsess even more. It's even more I'm accurate. I'm just telling you the ones I use because when there's a storm, I go on Twitter and there's a group uh-huh. called TX Storm Chasers. Yeah. And they're really good at telling you like, this is what's going on. It's here. It's doing this. Just reports of here. It's like basically crowdsourcing all this weather information. And they're just really good. And if there's like a tornado, they'll have a live weather thing. Mm-hmm. Another one that I follow is Pete Delkis because he's just funny. Oh, I I love the uh, the severity of the storms by how high his sleeves are. Have you seen yes. that? That is that's my absolute favorite. Like he'll play into it. Yeah, he's a major part of my storm watching now. I watch him a lot. So, do you feel what if your kid is just like wants to be the storm chaser? Is that going to be a problem? Like at five or six, like he just wants to sit there and and have the door open, watching the rain come in. <laughs> I don't, man, I don't know because I was, I was that kid. We mm-hmm. grew up in a, uh, we grew up in a really small town, uh, next to Lake Levon. And I remember there was a tornado in, um, Wiley, which was near where we were at. And we had like a meth addict neighbor and we had the doors open. It was storming. We knew there was a tornado in a city nearby. And we're just kind of, we're all looking out like we're that family, you know, who just goes in the front yard which and uh we're looking at all this and i remember him yelling um don't worry it can't cross the water that was his comforting thing to us was tornadoes don't cross water so i used to be the person who would go out and look at this stuff but now i mean the thought of like the storm fronts coming in and we're going to open the front door i would probably i would that's when my temper would probably just get to the max and we would slam everything yeah. and i would just force people into hallways or something i don't think i could handle that okay what if you're not there? So do you worry, do you obsess about your house? Like say you're out, say you're at a cowboy game or something like that. And yeah, all of a sudden there's a tornado in the vicinity of your home. Do you start obsessing on the phone? Like, where is it going? Is it hitting our house? Yes, it's not. It's not so much the house. It's more about my wife, my dog, okay. and now our son. Because I, I used to, <laughs> I used to, uh, text my wife like if i knew she was home and i wasn't going to be home for a little while that like i would make sure she can't pick up the dog there's been a few times where she's tried to make a move and he doesn't want to go and so i make sure to call her and be like remember to put the harness on the dog that way you can just drag him into the bathroom if you need to (laughs) 
but now she has the baby. So it's like, I'm worried that the dog's going to be all for himself. The problem with that is the bathroom is where you bathe him. So he's already like, he's already against it at all points. (laughs) She, she tried to uh, pick him up one day and carry him in there. And somehow he got all four of his paws on the door frame. And it was like out of a cartoon where he's just pushing against her, not letting it happen. And it's, you know, that that's my fear. She's going to be messing around with our dog or something and not be able to take cover. And I'm out wherever. One of the podcast interviews we did with uh, Wes Corwin, that was the night of those tornadoes. And so I always have my phone off when we're doing those. I have it on silent. And she's calling me multiple times. So I know something's wrong. And she's the one who is like, there's a tornado. And uh, she's like, it's at Love Field, which is, you know, our house is close enough to be concerned about that. It was like just freezing because it's like, well, I'm at a spot right now where we record the podcast is in Deep Ellum. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and we live over by East Dallas. So I'm in this zone where there's, there's literally nothing I can do. The time it would take to get in my car and drive over there, I'm not going to beat it. (laughs) And you're, and then even if you're, even if you're doing the right thing, you're driving to the tornado. That's a terrible plan. (laughs) You know, I'm coming to to try to distract the tornado (laughs) from you. I'm going to try to lead it away. (laughs) And then I'm here in Deep Ellum. Uh, We recorded a place called the Common Desk, which Mm -hmm. is this old uh, warehouse style style building they converted. And so it's like, well, if it turns towards us, I'm kind of fucked too. This was built in the early 1900s. I doubt it's holding. I'm just going to be under bricks, you know? (laughs) So it's, it, it's kind of all consuming once I know that it's really bad. I mean, all I could do with that particular episode, we ended it. We watched the radar for a little bit. And then as I was packing things up and then you just drive home and you're like, okay, I guess it, I guess it didn't go here. My wife's still responding. So I guess we're good. (laughs) Oh, she, she was pissed because it's, you know, she's calling me scared that a tornado is about to hit the house and I'm here doing my little podcast. Like (laughs) I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not answering the phone. I'm thinking, oh, if she's calling about something minor, you know, I'll, I'll text her. And then obviously it's incredibly serious. And uh, we live next to, you know, we have the tornado siren pretty close to the house. Yeah. So it's really loud when it goes off. And I mean, yeah, that, that's part of my fear is just her not being able to, her getting so scared and worried. And then I'm not there to just like say, do this, do that. Let's, let's hide or whatever, you know, let me look out the blinds real quick and scare it. <laughs> Let me look out the blinds, make sure it's past us, make sure, yeah. make sure it doesn't see us and come back this way, see it missed a spot or something, just <laughs> see see this person taunting it. Yeah. I had I had used to have fear of storms at night, like that was my big thing, because mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, it was, it was like the kid from Poltergeist, like literally, <laughs> it didn't matter storms by day, I could watch those for hours, I would just sit on the back patio and just watch, you know, the rain pour, but... Yeah. At night when you're trying to sleep and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it just would freak me out because I think it was just the jarring noise of the of the thunder and the brightness of the lightning just kind of yeah like spooking you out of sleep that I would just get wigged out and I would try to not see you know the lightning and every time it would like loud thunder I would just cringe yeah because I mean that's another one that that if it hits whatever it wants to hit there's nothing you're going to do about it and I, I don't know. I think that's what it is, is the unknown. Mm-hmm. Like, it's something that is so out of your control. Yeah. All you can do is hope to survive. Yeah. I mean, there, there's been times when I've been walking my dog and it's like a, like, it's going to rain. It's not going to be a storm. It's just going to rain. So I'm thinking, okay, I'll walk them real quick before it starts raining. And then you get that one random lightning bolt, you know, that's, 
it, it doesn't go anywhere near you. You just happen to see it. And it's like immediately, I'm just like, all right, back to the house, back to the house. You can pee another time. We're going to ride this out. If you have to pee in the kitchen, that's fine, buddy. It's no, it's no big deal. We'll clean it up. Yep. We'll, we're just going to get you in the bathroom. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> go back to the place where your nightmares are that you don't want to go. <laughs> we, we had him for one of those storms. I can't believe I'm even saying this. We had him in the bathtub. I was in, so it was my wife, the dog, and me in the bathtub. And again, there's a window in the bathroom to the outside of the house. So I'm thinking, okay, if the window shatters, what are we going to do? And so I have like couch cushions that we're holding over us as like the lid to the bathtub. And it's just so stupid because if any of that happened, the first thing that's going to happen is the cushions are just going to get sucked away. Like you're, a couch cushion isn't going to save you from anything. But it just makes so much sense that like we need a shelter, we need to cover this, mm-hmm. we need a tight, secure lid, and that's going to protect us. It would just be funny if the couch got taken away. So you're just all you have left <laughs> are the cushions of a, of a couch you no longer have. Just glad we have these cushions. <laughs> we can, we can still make a fort. We can, it's going to be fine. <laughs> but I'm always amazed at some of the people that storm chase. It's like when you're that close to it, like when it's you're having you're seeing it on the highway and you've got to go and like you're having to run. Yeah, you're having to park in an overpass and run up a steep hill to try to get up in the freeway. Yeah, that's a little too extreme. We'll see. And this is this is more of the fear, right? Because I started looking into it more of like, what do you do in that scenario? Like if, if uh, a tornado happened while you're on the highway, what's the plan? And that used to be the thing, right? Get under the bridge. And now they're saying, don't do that. They're saying that people have been sucked out from under the bridge. So that's a terrible plan. And so, I mean, there have been times where we uh, we're driving and a storm front's coming through and we will take the long way home to go around the worst part of it now which is, it's also, it's, it's silly. Like it's, there's not that many cars getting sucked off the highway from a tornado. True. But I, I just don't like being around semis in severe weather either. That's, that's another pet peeve because they still go 80 miles an hour and you can't see. Oh yeah. Because I don't know what it is about rain and roads, but mm -hmm. it feels like all the, the white stripes just disappear. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can't see any of that. So you can't see your lane. You can't see if. And then when they come by, they just splash that huge wave yeah. over your whole windshield. So now you definitely can't see anything at yeah. all. And you can't see if you're going to about yeah. spin out of control. You can feel, can feel your tires losing grip at some points. Like you can feel, <laughs> uh, see, I don't mind the storms. I just don't like driving in heavy rain because it's just like you can feel your car just not on the road. That's the, the rain is the least of my worry. That's the part I can deal with. It can be pouring down rain as long as there's no wind. And, I, and I'm fine with it. It's just the wind. The wind is the... any. And I've noticed now like what I think is really high wind is not high wind. I've just, I'm psyching myself out. Again, I'll watch those trees blow a little bit and I'm like, I think, it's, I think it's picking up out here. We should probably take cover. And then you actually step outside and you're like, it's just a gentle summer breeze during the storm. You can tell by temperature if it's bad. Because if it's cold... By temperature. Like when that wind uh-huh. comes and it's cold, like it's like... Yeah. Like it's 50, 60 degrees. Yeah, that's a serious storm coming. That's a cold. I'm like, take it. I'm taking notes right now. I'm like, so cold weather. Okay. Well, like it, when you feel, you ever, you've been outside in the front, right? When the front has come through like that. Yeah. And that yeah. wind, yeah. if it's chilly, like you're like, it, it was like 80 or 90 degrees. And now 
it feel that wind is dropping feels like 50 or 60 yeah there's something coming and i always look for colored clouds or colored lightning so if you see like green clouds yeah that's kind of like if there's ice in the air and so you can Mm -hmm. that's what's making the sunlight change those cloud colors because the prism effect See, this is what I need to do. I need to start learning more about it so that I can see mm-hmm. that there's no negative signs like that yeah. and just calm down. Green clouds yeah. is hail is usually because that means there's ice, that it's blowing ice up oh, okay. in the air. And that's what hail is, is it's just rain that keeps going up in the upper atmosphere until it's too yeah, heavy. It f- freezing. Yeah, and then it falls. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you see like green or, you know, like a prismic, you know, like fun- that's a funky color sky. That's usually mm-hmm. what it is, is the ice is, it's, the sun is beaming into the ice above the clouds, so you can see that color, cloud color is different. Yeah, when, when you're talking about those things, that's the other part that, I don't know if it feels like the storms are getting worse, or if I'm just recognizing it now, you know, but I, I'm, you know, I believe climate change is happening, so I'm, I'm also psyching myself out going like, this is, this is part of climate change. The storms every year are worse and I have nothing to back it up. I'm not actually bringing up any statistics. I'm just like, I had a hunch this year's storm season was going to be really bad. And I was right. See, that's how you turn into your grandpa. See, you, you wonder how you're, what happened to your grandpa to do that. And it's some traumatic yeah, yeah, yeah. event from his past. that's all of a sudden <laughs> like triggered these like hunches that you know what it is. Yeah. I know my kid's going to make fun of me. I know that much. If I don't shake it soon, when he gets old enough to see his dad, you know, cowering behind window blinds, it's not going to be good. I could just like, I feel like I could see him testing you. Like I could see him (laughs) opening a door or trying to go outside to go play in the rain. Yeah. And you're like, no, that's not, not a good idea. Yeah. I, it's going to, I'm going to have to kick it before then. That's just not an option. It's not going to happen. So what would be your first way of thinking of kicking it per se? I mean, what I'm trying to do now, and it's, it's kind of working. It's kind of not because if, if the storm's coming in in the evening, I mean, I might not fall asleep till if if it doesn't pass till 3am, I'm not going to bed till 3am. And what I'm trying to tell myself is that stuff about like, you know, our house was built in the fifties. It's been sitting through Lots of storms, lots of wind. It's still here. We had it when we when we uh, renovated it. Everything was looked over. I've seen every stud in that house. I know everything's built the way it's supposed to be. There's no reason this house would just fall over unless the entire neighborhood was leveled, and then it's out of your control. And that works for a little while, mm-hmm. but then I start telling myself like, well, what if, what if like that board is just getting ready to break, and it because it was built in the fifties, like it's just now weakened enough that tonight's the night it's gonna. It's going to splinter that one apart. Nail or that falling out. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That nail's going to shear off and it's going to have a domino effect. So it, it kind of works. Uh, what's really helping is just my, my wife is making fun of me so much about it that, you know, I have to just go, I, I can't, I can't live this way with her just teasing me every time there's a storm. Does she like touch you? Like, it's okay. No, she's more just like, get a hold of yourself. Don't be a pussy. It's just a storm. <laughs> <What>? like, <laughs> wow. <that's> hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She she doesn't no, she's not like, oh, it's okay. We'll work through it. She's like, it's just a storm. Everything's fine. This is ridiculous. It's two in the morning. I'm going to sleep. But I don't know. The more I'm talking to you, I'm thinking I, I probably just need to learn about storms, how storms form, warning signs where I can look at whatever they're talking about on the radar and go, okay, so it's going to be a little windy. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, take some meteorology. Just look at some 
I think that might be the answer. And then I do think storm chasing is going to have to happen at some point. Like I'm going to have to see like a face your fear, see a tornado in person where someone is, you know, cause you watch them and they're like, yeah, yeah. If we stay on this road, if we stay heading East, it's not going to turn this direction. And it's like, well, how, how do you know it's not going to turn that direction? You know, something I don't. That they said that in Twister. They said that in Twister too. And then that guy, that oh, truck got sucked up, whatever. Yeah. And then it turned. I don't know. Maybe just seeing professionals that can somewhat, mm-hmm. they, they look like they're in control of it. I maybe guess. Maybe that's someone you should have a, be a fan of is the storm chasers. Just have a storm Man, chaser I, podcast. I would probably love that. I, I think I would have to experience it first before I brought them on mm-hmm. or maybe do one before one after there was a crazy video. I don't remember the guy's name. And, um, I don't know if it helped or not, but he was in, he was a, he's a famous storm chaser and he built this car. That's like a tank yeah. and it has these like hydraulic pins that go into the ground. Have you seen yeah, this? That's the guy that they based twister off of. Oh, I didn't know it was based off of him. Yeah, it's, I can't remember okay. his name, but he built like a tank basically that can. Yeah. 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 And so he had dash cam footage in his car while the tornado went right over him. And there was at one point there was even like some debris hit his windshield hard enough that just sparks went everywhere. And, you know, that kind of helped me seeing like, okay, he's, he's in a car, even though it's anchored to the ground, but it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just decimate everything. And that, that'll keep me grounded for a little bit. And then I'll start thinking, well, you know, he didn't say what size that tornado was. What if he's just in like a little bitch tornado and like anything above that, he just would have been dead. And, you know, because he's, he's clearly the professional in this. Yeah. So I need to question it. Yeah. He needs to go through like an F5, like the, like apocalyptic. Yeah. yeah. Then, to, then you can you can brag. I I watched something. They were talking about natural disasters, and there was like somebody in Tornado Alley, like Kansas or something. Their home had just been leveled for the fourth time by a tornado, and they they're interviewing. They're like, "Well, what do you, what are you guys going to do now?" And they're like, "Well, we're just going to rebuild." And it's like you're going to rebuild for the fifth. Fu- just fucking move. Just move. Mm-hmm. Why? What is your insurance premium like that you've rebuilt your house a fifth time now? In this, on you know, how does that even work? How are you just like, yeah, we got a storm shelter, we just run down there, it levels everything, and we rebuild. Yeah, Dama. There used to be a comic named Dama Smith who started with Dave Jessup, and he had a bit uh-huh. about the hurricanes. Like Katrina, he's like, he's like, you know, God, <laughs> you know, God has a plan. He's like, he's like, who set the? Who do you think set the water? <laughs> who do you think? Send, <laughs> <laughs> who do you think sending the tornado? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a, there's, I don't remember where the joke came from, but somebody was talking about that. It, it was similar, like, you know, the water was flooded. Somebody came by in a boat and was like, Hey, get off your house, get off the roof of your house. We'll take you back in. And they're like, no, no, no. God's got a plan for us. He's going to help us out. And then, uh, you know, like a helicopter comes by and they're like, climb up. They're like, no, no, no. God's got a plan. He's going to help us. And then they end up dying and they get to heaven. And God's like, I sent a fucking boat. I sent a helicopter and you guys just stayed on the damn roof. Yeah. <laughs> but where can people find you on social media, Travis? So thank you for doing this. Oh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I love to rant about nonsense all the time. Uh, uh, I love Instagram. At Travis Can Listen is the easiest place if you want to get in touch with me. If you want to check out the podcast, just go to imafanofpod.com. It's got all the quick links to whatever your platform is that you like. And uh, the website is something I'm hoping to grow into something a lot bigger. Uh, I love the podcast, but... I'm fortunate. I can't talk about any of it yet, but I'm getting into the avenue of producing a few different things for people. And I'm hoping that that website will kind of grow a little bit to be an outlet for people who want to make comics, musicians who want to make video content. And maybe they don't have 
the uh, the equipment or anything yet. So rather than front that cost, let me help you do it. You know, for instance, uh, one of the bands we're about to put out a vinyl record for a band called Brave Little Howl, mm-hmm. and we put on this uh, this show for them in this cabin off White Rock Lake, and we recorded the whole show live. There was no PA or anything. We recorded it like you were sitting in a living room listening to them mm-hmm. to them play music. And we're not going to release it digitally anywhere. So the only way you'll ever hear this concert is on the vinyl record. And we just, I want to produce more fun things like that. I have a lot more background in music. So I, I can work with that a little more, but I really want to work with more comedians and find out ways to do live albums for them that's, that's beneficial for them, not just to put it out there. So yeah, I'm a fan of pod.com. Keep an eye on that. If we do any more of that stuff, that's where it'll go. And then Instagram at Travis Can Listen if you want to send me a message. If you're a comic, a musician, anybody that's the best place to hit me up at definitely i definitely will have my comic friends and everybody else hit you up and see who you're a fan of and go we'll just grow (laughs) from here yeah i love it i love it thanks again travis all right thanks man so that was travis i love this interview this is one of my all-time faves so far we had a great time talking about severe weather It's very interesting that, again, you see one traumatic experience kind of forever shaping your thought on the fear. Before that storm, Travis didn't think about severe weather, but now every time after that incident, he's forever reminded. And ever since his interview, like he'll send me a message whenever severe weather's in town, he'll show me the radar, and we'll, we'll kind of talk it down from there. I hope he takes a, a, he's going to have to take like a storm class. Like I feel like he has to storm chase just to kind of see it, understand the randomness and hopefully perhaps move past it a little bit to the point that he's not sheltering in place at the first crack of thunder. Check out his podcast. I'm a fan of, he does great interviews. I'm a huge fan of his podcast and him as well. Like he's helped me so much with this podcast from just giving feedback and kind of explaining how to do it and nudging me to go live when I had a king's ransom of interviews stored up and just it was it's been it's been a fun ride and he's been a very helpful guiding guiding light in this whole podcast experience he's also again check out his live recording of brave little howl also just check out I'm on Instagram at Travis can listen as for me it's been a rough week as more tragedies kind of around the Dallas Fort Worth scene here, you know, here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, a lot of the comedy clubs have their employees and they become their own little family of people. And we lost a, uh, tragically lost a employee member of hyenas waitstaff, Ashley. She tragically passed away earlier this week. And then on Wednesday, uh, Eric Myers, the comic I was, going to be performing with this past weekend just tragically tragically lost his life in an incident where he was walking along the road and was hit and was struck by a vehicle and so we didn't have a show on Thursday to kind of honor that memory and just it just it just kind of it's taken us all by surprise and it it's just so it's so tragic and heartbreaking and Eric Myers really changed my life as far as a comedian because as a comedian, sometimes you go up there with expectations and when those expectations aren't met, you kind of lament your set. Like you just lament the time you spent up there like, oh, 
I forgot to do this joke, or, man, I meant to say it this way, but I said it this way instead, and it didn't get a huge laugh like I hoped. And Eric was never like that when he came off stage. You would think that this was his first first opportunity. He was just so always so gracious. And I tried to adopt that philosophy into my comedy and just to just be, to have an attitude of gratitude and not try to take things personally or anything personal behind the scenes and just basically just have fun being on stage, whether it be for five to, you know, an hour, you know, just five minutes on stage. Just just be grateful that you got that five minutes. And it's not easy. It's there's a lot of in ego humbling that you have to do as a person sometimes to to get to that place. But that's where I'm trying to get to and I'm I'm getting better at it. I I try to n- not take it personally if things don't go as I wanted them to go or if in my own mind I derail myself and go off on a tangent. That's just that's the art of live performance. It's never going to be exactly how you draw it up and you just have to be fluid in those situations. My heart goes out to Ashley's family as well as Eric Meyer's family. Ashley was a complete sweetheart. She was one of my favorite people. She was always positive. She always was super supportive. And sometimes she would and on her nights off she would watch the show and she would talk about how how much some of the comics she's known since opening or you know just since she started how they've improved and it was always nice to hear somebody that's kind of seen the day-to-day grind acknowledge the progress that you had so yeah it's been a rough week also radio personality here in the dallas fort worth area russ martin passed away tragically i believe yesterday morning on saturday that's yet another loss to some people and it's just unfortunately the advancement of time and not realizing how much time you may have with one person and not maximizing it, but also knowing that you did your best. Other than that, this weekend I I did comedy with Steve Hurst. On Friday and Saturday, we had some great shows. Thanks to people that came out and supported, bought shirts, added me on Facebook and Instagram. I appreciate all the love that you guys have shared with me. I had a great time in light of everything that's happened. I don't have anything on the calendar, so probably in the next few weeks I'll be at Backdoor Comedy, which is at www.backdoorcomedy.com. Come out and check some shows there. It's in, If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we're in Richardson off of Beltline in 75. So we're up in 75 North and then just a little ways down Beltline on the east side we have shows on friday and saturday come out and see them linda stogner jan norton paul varghese there's a lot of local talent that comes through that club and we have a great time just hanging out and performing so check us out there make sure to if you like what you hear leave a review on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts i love to see feedback if you want if you have suggestions for the show, send me an email at somefearfans at gmail.com. Again, I thank you guys for listening. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. 
You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh2o. Get it? H2O, like water. You can also follow him on Facebook. Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olson for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns, that's G-U-N-B-U-N-S, as well as his website, gunnarolson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at somefearfans, S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback if on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. It makes the show bigger, and it's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me, on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there. And you can check me out at ryanperio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a, in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening. Mm